Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Thursday morning, it's a sobering Thursday morning. There have been millions and millions of people across the world that have been diagnosed with COVID-19. In the sports world, that list has been a little smaller in college football, and it just basically bears fruit that when guys named Blake Anderson, Les Miles, Jason Candle, Mike Norvell, Kevin Sumlin, and Chip Kelly have the coronavirus, it's one thing. But when Nick Saban, the standalone number one figure in a sport that is not dominated by players who cycle Mm -hmm. in and out every three or four years, there is one constant, there is one big name, and it is the one big story we're talking about on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Just to recap, if you didn't hear, the 68-year-old Saban contracted COVID, tested positive. We'll talk to Greg McElroy, who played 35 games for Saban and won a national championship for him coming up at 6.30 on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. And at 8.05, we'll talk to ESPN's Tom Rinaldi, who was with Saban when he learned of the positive test. Gentlemen, welcome in, of course, with Keyshawn Johnson and Jay Williams. I'm Zubin Mahenti. They are set for a titanic showdown with Georgia Saturday. The game is one thing. The priority should be Saban, but Key, let's be honest, many fans are thinking, is this game going to go down? That's just the way we are down there in the SEC. Well, yeah, of course they want to see football being played, but I don't see how they're going to be able to pull this off in such a short window. Um, When your head coach and your athletic director have tested positive for uh, for COVID, now when you think about it, they've been around, at least Nick Saban's been around 100-plus people, meaning the student-athletes, along with staff and personnel within the Alabama organization. Um, so you would think they're going to test again a day. It, you would just think that there's got to be more positives that come out of this thing because Nick Saban is a hands-on coach. He's everywhere. I mean, he's, he's delegating some things, but he's everywhere. He's in meeting rooms, uh, whether it's defense office, he's sticking his head in there, uh, whether it's special teams, individual coaches meetings, recruiting meetings. I mean, he's all over the building. His, his footprint is all over the building. The entire team, Jay, will be tested today. Alabama, Nick Saban, and SEC have an opponent they can't beat. And to give you a football analogy, the opponent is up 21-0 to zero at the half, and it feels like they're going to pour it in on the second half. They're gonna, and the opponent is COVID. So look at, look at the consistent theme here, Zubin. LSU, Florida, that game is postponed. Look at what's happened with Florida. Look at what Dan Mullen had said the other day, wanting 90-plus thousand fans to be in the arena. Look at how many of his kids actually have COVID. Uh, Look at the Vandy situation. Barely was able to play last week. Now this week their game is postponed at Missouri. Not enough players on the roster. Uh, Look outside the SEC to a degree. What you have going on with Baylor, Oklahoma State, postponed. It it just – feels like I, if one plus one equals two, anybody reasonably would say, okay, Alabama just played Ole Miss. Ole Miss just came out and said that they had a positive COVID test. Now you have Nick Saban and the athletic director. Positive COVID tests with all the team meetings that you just mentioned, Key. Is it reasonable to think that nobody else on Alabama no. has COVID? They go through about if, just off like the top of Like how many tests my, per day? Not tests. I mean, meetings. not in meetings, excuse me. Just off the top of my head. The team itself probably do six meetings in and out in any given day. And if you want to throw weightlifting in there, that's in there. Nick Saban, add that in there. He's probably sticking his head in and out of meetings 15 times in one single day. Sometimes maybe sitting in the offensive meeting 
for 30, 40 minutes, you know, have his defensive staff meeting. He's sitting there, his, his uh, uh, special teams meeting. He's sticking his head in and out of there. The recruit meetings, he's sticking his head out in and out. So he's, like I said, his hands is all over the building. There's no question about it. And here's what makes me a little bit sick about it, King. You and I have talked about this. You were very avid about players in the collegiate level not playing at the beginning of the year. I was with you. I just felt like they're going to play. It felt like they were going to play, right? They're playing. Yeah, they're playing. But what happens now to me is as we're seeing all these positive tests go down and we see a guy like Nick Saban who was feeling really good, asymptomatic, had no idea, no symptoms. We just went through all the list of the people that he had to meet with. You know, when, when Stephon Gilmore, you know, <laughs> when he hugs Patrick Mahomes and then you get worried about that happening at the pro level, that's one thing. Guys are being paid a lot of money. But now you're worried about it happening at the collegiate level, which it is happening at. It just feels like we're going to push through this game, and I know it's a big game. It just doesn't feel like they should play this weekend until you have I, – I don't know. It doesn't feel no, right. No, that, that, and you're right about that. It doesn't feel right if you look at the pro level. It seems to me, and, I, and you can help me out here from a fact-check standpoint, from a pro level in NFL, it seemed like every team that had some sort of positive situation going on they move the games. They moved it to the next day or the day after, you know, Tuesday. When they tried to figure out how to get the game in, but they moved it. I don't know if that'll be the case here with the Georgia game. Um, you got to think, though, with Nick Saban and just kind of knowing Nick, he's done everything right to avoid his team being affected by COVID. But yet still, here we are, like you say, Jay, mm-hmm. he's communicating Hell, he was with Lane Kiffin at the midfield before their game. Both of them had a mask, but the fact that they was even in close proximity chopping it up, it's just like it was one of those deals where you look at it and you go, okay, this is interesting. And now you have the positive test coming out of Old Miss. You got everything going on in Alabama. It, it's just – it's a weird – dynamic that's happening in the SEC country right now. I want to answer your question, but first, obviously, let's hear from the man himself, Nick Saban, announcing his positive test, and then I'll answer your question about rescheduling the games. But I was informed early this afternoon uh, that I had a top positive test for COVID-19 on a PCR test. At this point, I'm completely asymptomatic, feel fine. Our medical officials have told me as long as I remain asymptomatic, I will have a daily PCR testing per SEC protocol to confirm the initial positive. Okay, so there it is from Saban. Again, Greg McElroy, who won a national championship, played 35 games for him, was a two-year starter. Um, will join us at 6.30. Tom Bernaldi, who was with Nick Saban when he got that positive test, will have his perspective, sort of boots on the ground. What was it like when Saban discovered it? They're meeting together. Quick things. 29 games have already been canceled or postponed this season due to the coronavirus. Canceled or postponed. There are some games that will not be made up. To your point in the SEC, the two games Jay referenced, Florida, LSU, Vanderbilt, Missouri, they will be played again on December 12th. You might remember when the SEC waited till September 26th to start the season, they baked in one week right at the end of the season before the SEC championship game to essentially say if there were any postponements, all of the games would be moved back to then. Logic would seem to dictate that if the Florida LSU and Missouri Vanderbilt games were moved to December 12th, if need be, Alabama and Georgia could also move there. That's not official. That hasn't been said by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, but part of the reason Commissioner Sankey put that week in is for moments like this. Uh, and, and 
it would be interesting to see what the people of Alabama and Georgia feel about moving that game uh, just to, for protection, safety protocols, and health reasons opposed to trying to push through for it to be played on Saturday. I know it's two versus three. It's a big deal. But if you got that date and Nick Saban can't coach this game, it sends a it just a, sends a little bit of a different message to the college landscape when you don't have the godfather on the sidelines coaching in one of the biggest games of the year, if in fact you want to try to play this game. And Zubin, let me say let me ask you this. So if we had guys like Stephon Gilmore who obviously played a game against the Chiefs, shook hands, obviously, you know, competed, got on the team plane, flew back, got home, went to the training, you know, facility the next day and then found out he had something. What makes us think that nobody on Alabama's team can't potentially have it and it's just dormant? And then if they were to play Georgia, I know they go through a series of tests, but that, that's how this whole trickle-down effect continues to go. That, that's how this thing continues to spread. It just makes you – it makes me nervous as a fan. I definitely want to see the game. I was building my Saturday around that. Um, but th- that's where my brain automatically goes to. There's no question about it. We'll see what happens. Again, the entire team will be tested today. We'll talk to Greg McElroy, who played for Saban, take us inside Saban's game day routine, exactly what Alabama would be missing without him on the sideline from a tangible and intangible perspective, perhaps the latter being more important. The QB for Saban on the way in 20 minutes. Be a part of Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper. Speaking of back, Keys Dodgers are right back in it after Man. doing something Man. that no team <laughs> has ever done in the history <laughs> of the MLB playoffs. <laughs> it was funny, only if you're a Dodger fan, not a Brave fan. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Z begins, as we just mentioned, right outside of Boston in Foxborough, where Cam Newton is set to return to practice for the Pats today after being removed from the reserve COVID-19 list on Wednesday, getting back-to-back negative tests proved to be easier said than done. But with him back on the field, putting him on track to start Sunday against the Broncos. Keep in mind, Newton, despite all of this, 
will have only missed one game after testing positive. That game, of course, that lost to Kansas City. Drew Locke, on the other hand, the Broncos quarterback, a full participant in practice for the first time since injuring his right shoulder against the Steelers. So he could have two quarterback comebacks on both sides of the field. Speaking of both sides, you need both sides to get a fight, right? Well, Conor McGregor says he's accepted a UFC fight against Dustin Poirier on January 23rd. He said it on Twitter that he'd accepted the fight, but he wants the fight to happen at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, home of the Cowboys, where they have some huge, huge boxing fights. Only one problem with this whole scenario. Poirier told the MMA's best insider, R. Ariel Helwani, that the UFC has yet to reach out to him for the fight. So McGregor has accepted a fight against Poirier, except Poirier saying, nobody told me we are fighting on January 23rd. Dana White might want to get on that. Major League Baseball playoffs, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Keys Dodgers scored 11 runs in the first inning. It is the most runs ever scored by any team in one frame of a postseason game ever. 15-3. They're right back in the series. They've cut the series deficit yeah, in half. Do. <laughs> we'll that talk escalated about it. quickly. Yeah, that it did. If you're a Braves fan, a little too quickly, Clayton Kershaw, who was scratched from Game 2, will start Game 4. Coverage starts on ESPN Radio at 7.30 Eastern. And the Astros stay alive for a day. The Rays will have another opportunity to punch their second ticket to the World Series. They'll get going at 4.30 p.m. Eastern today. That would be the Astros. Jose Altuve goes from yips to yard. He was having a lot of problems throwing the baseball throughout the series. But he did go yard and keeps the Astros alive for the moment. Again, no off days in either league championship series. So we will go until we have a winner. I wonder if he knew the pitch was coming. Well, Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. If you ask Carlos Correa, they are over and done with that. But if you ask almost anybody else, they're thinking, what in the world is Carlos Correa saying? I was at game seven. So <laughs> Key referencing game seven of the 2017 World Series where the Astros won at Chavez Ravine. But, of course, we didn't know on that night in 2017 what we know now. So let's roll back inside. Major League Baseball playoffs. The World Series starts next Tuesday in Arlington, Texas. The Dodgers with an 11-run first, as I said. So you get the offense rolling last night. You get Clayton Kershaw back pitching on the bump today. You've cut the deficit in half, and the momentum is there. How you feeling this morning? Good. I was driving back yesterday from NFL Live and uh, coming back to to the city from Bristol and uh, watching it along the way on my phone. So it was one nothing. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, we up one. Da 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 da. Texting with you guys. Two nothing. Oh damn. Da 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 da. Oh yeah, we good. And I happened to look. No outs. You know, first inning. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Whatever. Three nothing. Da 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 da. Then it jumped. Seven nothing. <laughs> Bam. I was like, damn, what's going on? Then it went eight nothing. I'm like, and so then I started sending these screenshots to, to you guys along the way. Every time it was like literally a minute go by was another run. A minute go by was another run. And so you start to feel good. And at that point, I'm like, hmm, what do we do now with the pitching? Do we rest this guy after a couple innings nope. and then we just get to the pin? They get using for game five or six, you know. So it you feel good about it. You you'd certainly feel good about where the Dodgers are. The bats came alive late in game three. I mean, game two they came alive and then it carried over to game three. So you certainly feel good about where the Dodgers are now. So my day yesterday, my dad's visiting with my my <laughs> wife and my daughter, and uh, we're putting my daughter down. I'm reading her book someday, and my phone is just going. Mm, 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 mm. 
And I look down and just keep saying, it gets so annoying sometimes, too, just to describe it to people at home. It just, key, 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 just the, it just the banner keeps coming down on my phone. And it's a little bit relentless. I'm like, all right, I don't know what's happening right now, but it's key. I'm just going to pass you it off. You do understand you could mute the group chat or take yeah, yourself but it, off of it. Yeah, no, I'm not going to take myself off of it. I like to be engaged. I've so done anyway, that. Yes, you have. Smart man, Zubin. <laughs> so I push it to the side. I read my daughter her book someday. I come downstairs. My dad and I pour ourselves a glass of wine. And we sit down I'm like, all right, let's watch this game. And I look, I'm like, whoa, it's, it's 11 nothing. <laughs> and then I start going through all the texts, and I'm seeing Key literally describing play-by-play. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. They scored 10 runs with two outs? And remember yesterday I was saying, hey, look, this is a team that averaged two home runs per game. They came into seven postseason games with only five home runs. I'm like, it's their at-bats. And the way I watched them play yesterday, even though the Braves are up two to one, it feels like the Braves are chasing the Dodgers. It just feels like the Dodgers now have all the momentum within the last nine innings of baseball. They have dominated the last nine innings of baseball. Well, when you you get the big bats going, whether it was Muncie or JT, Justin Turner – but the one guy for me is Cody Bellinger. He finally kind of came alive to a degree, both on the defensive end as well as on the offensive end. And when when you get that back going, that's something special because if you go back to his rookie year or even his second year in the league, you know, the second year he struggled a little bit, but then he got hot toward the end. But you go back to that rookie year when he came alive and you sit there and go, wow, this is we're going to be talking about this guy for a long time. The way he played yesterday, I think – Right now, I switch back. I think we're going to be talking about him for a long time. Tongue planted firmly in cheek. I know we're not going to games at Chavez Ravine and the always famous late arriving Dodger fans. That's but if the you name of the stadium, just in case you Dodger wondering. Stadium. We'll call it Dodger. Are stadium. you saying that to people, or are you looking at me? You, because I know because you, 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 you kind of go back and forth sometimes. I'm not sure. I'm just. Letting you know. Go ahead, Z. But I was just going to say, if you were a late-arriving Dodger fan to your television yesterday, wait a minute, 11 <laughs> You have fans that were coming into the stadium <laughs> looking at the scoreboard being like, "What? What? it's the second <laughs> inning. What happened? <laughs> Got to uh. get to my TV. It's too, it's too late. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. We're also brought to you by Pennzoil. Crude oil is crude, natural gas purer. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection, the proof in the Pennzoil, based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. On the Braves tip on the other side, joining us at 8.30 this morning, a guy who won a World Series with the Braves, one of the greatest players in franchise <laughs> history, and ESPN baseball analyst, Larry Chipper Jones, the one and only, will join us wow. at 8.30. Yeah. And I we'll saw get that, his uh, perspective. When, we, when Evan put it in the email yesterday, I don't know you were in the email. You didn't take yourself off. So I put, <laughs> I put boo. I do need that one. <laughs> Chipper Jones, boo. Right, especially if you're a Met fan, you're booing, that's for sure. So Evan is our producer. Chipper Jones is on the way. And we should mention that was the Braves' first loss of the postseason. But I think what Jay said is what a lot of people feel, that even though the Braves are up in the series, it almost feels like they're down just a little bit. Still to come, certainly down feeling at Alabama after Saban's positive COVID test. On the way, Greg McElroy, who started and won a national championship for Saban on just how he is different on game day than any other coach in America and what the tide might be missing in his absence. That insight on the way. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And Jay said it right. Anecdotally, you don't see COVID-19 anywhere on the schedule, but obviously it is a part of all of our lives. And let's be honest, it is winning. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Let's bring in Greg McElroy, the national championship winning quarterback for Alabama, won a BCS national championship, played 35 games for Saban over the course of his legendary career in T-Town. Greg, thanks for being with us this morning. First things first, your reaction when you heard that Coach Saban at 68 years old, despite putting out a big public service announcement in a way, begging people to wear masks, has tested positive for the coronavirus. Well, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, I wish it was under better circumstances, naturally, but my first reaction was concern. I mean, I think everyone that that has played for a college coach and, and has played for a college coach of his stature and, and his legendary status, I mean, the initial reaction was concern. I mean, knowing his age, 68, he is at risk at, with his age. Uh, and also, you know, he's someone that's had a major impact on my life. I mean, massive Outside of my mom, dad, and maybe my grandparents, there's very few people that have impacted my life for the positive more than Nick Saban. So uh, I was really, really concerned about him because I think like he and Jay and everyone that's that's played sports in Zubin, you probably have had uh, people like this as well. I mean, those people touch you at, at the age of 18 to 22. Those are impressionable ages, and my life wouldn't be the same without Nick. So uh, I'm really, really concerned about him, obviously, but I'm really happy to hear, at least up to this moment, he feels, at least sounds like he's doing extremely well, is asymptomatic, and, and hopefully has access to all the things that will make him better uh, as soon as humanly possible. Uh, you, you're absolutely right there, Greg. If, if for what the reasons are, if Coach Saban can't coach this football game if it goes on, how different will it be on game day for the guys in terms of decision-making? Because now you have a different voice in a Steve Sarkeesian versus a Nick Saban uh, calling things, calling shots on the sideline. Well, I'll tell you this, Key. I, I think it's going to feel real strange before the game, right? I mean, you get up in your team huddle, you say the Lord's Prayer, and then you sit there and you're ready to hear from the head coach. And you've heard from the same guy your whole career. Whether your career is only three games as a freshman or your career is five years like you're a fifth-year senior. I mean, it's, it would be odd to have to deal with the circumstance like that, where the guy that's addressing you before the game is a guy that's different. And by the way, if it were a game against Vanderbilt or a game against a non-conference opponent, I don't think it would be much of a difference whatsoever. But the fact that it's a game against the number three ranked team in the country, yeah, I mean, superstition does play a role. I mean, I don't care what anyone says. Every player likes their routine. And if you're used to hearing one voice and one voice exclusively before the game, that might throw you off just a little bit as you're getting ready to take the field against a very capable opponent. So uh, it would it would be uncomfortable without question. But I also think, too, since Saban doesn't call plays and he's not a coordinator at this point of his career, he's really about adjustments and making sure that there's accountability and then making critical game-changing calls like, hey, we're going to try a surprise onside kick here. Hey, we're going to go with a fake punt here. 
those are where he really can impact the game for the better. So hopefully for Alabama, they won't need those tricks up their sleeve to potentially pull out a victory. But uh, you saw the impact that it already had on the line in Vegas, and and I expect that impact to be felt more and more as as the kind of as the game approaches. Because I think they're a four point favorite. It wouldn't shock me if they were a three point favorite or a two point favorite here in the next couple of days with the reaction to David News. Greg, Jay Will here with today and tomorrow to continue to prepare for this game against Georgia. What specifically about preparations will be different not having Nick Saban in the facilities? You know, I think the biggest thing, Jay Will, and I, I think it, it might help a little bit as far as practice is concerned because if it were a game against, say, a team that you're expected to beat by four or five touchdowns, I could see guys kind of loafing their way through practice. Oh, hey, coach isn't here. You know, cats away, am I actually going to play, right? Like, I could definitely see that happening. But knowing that Steve Sarkeesian at least does have head coaching experience, and we know that the players know as well, that they're going to have to put their best foot forward on Saturday. So they, they can't cut corners in the week leading up to their preparation because the coach isn't holding them accountable the same way he would if he was in the building 24-7 throughout the next couple of days. So I, I don't think it, it's going to affect that much really on Thursday and on Friday as they lead up to game day, but where I do think it will have a, a decent amount of an effect uh, at least on how the guys feel heading into the game, their comfort level within the game, and then obviously the adjustments that they'll make in-game as well. That's where I think the effect will be felt more than anything else. Greg McElroy joining us here on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin almost said the morning show. You thought that's what I was going to do, didn't you, Jay Will? Um, <laughs> Greg, when, yeah, I know, right, because it's crazy. Greg, so when you look at the SEC country, Florida LSU has canceled. How will this affect the thought process of the SEC going forward with the Georgia Alabama game now you know I think every the SEC's um, really done a pretty good job of, of assessing each situation individually and not trying to paint a broad brush over okay here's what's happening over the score, scope of our league here's what's going on so the SEC's done a pretty good job of handling that but there's no denying this is concerning I mean this and I think the biggest thing that as the coaches that I talked to really worried is taking their team on the road, staying in a hotel, and not being able to put forth that controlled environment they have in their own home environment. That's the challenge. Florida goes to Texas A&M last week. They come back. They have an outbreak. Alabama goes to Ole Miss last week. They come back. They have an, they have an outbreak involving their head coach. Whether or not it's the outbreak has spread to other extremities of the team, we don't know that information just yet. But everyone has been on pins and needles. They feel great about controlling their own environment when they're at their facility. Like they can go through and hire 30 cleaning people to make sure that every corner and of that facility is cleaned with Lysol. I mean, they can make sure it's as clean as possible. But when you go on the road, then you're kind of at the mercy of other people. And that's not ideal, obviously. So they've done the best they can. Um, but I think that's something the SEC is going to have to address. And I think college football in general is going to have to address is the traveling parameters. How do we make sure that we don't have issues upon traveling to other places? Because most of the people that have had games at home have done relatively well. But when you travel on the road, that's when it's become a little bit of a problem. And, and I think that's something we're going to have to iron out as a sport here in the next couple months 
Uh, so, Greg, you know, as, as we get a little bit deeper into the season, let, let's take this another step further. So Alabama just traveled at Ole Miss. Ole Miss just came out and said that they have one positive COVID test. Now, Nick Saban, the athletic director, have COVID tests. They're positive. Is it reasonable to think if we're doing some contact tracing here that Nick Saban hasn't been around other players that potentially probably have this now? Yeah, I mean, they have those rings that the SEC bought. Um, the coaches have been wearing them as well to track whether or not you have co- uh, contact tracing. So, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. The contact tracing, guys, is the biggest problem. The positive tests actually have not been as bad as, as one might assume, which I was shocked by. I thought everyone was going to be positive. You know, I mean, I'm, full disclosure, I thought they'd be fine from it, but I thought the positive tests would run rampant. But the contact tracing has been the biggest issue. Um, and I think that is, is something that need, we need to be of concern. Uh, and guys have had to pr- alter their complete practice regimen. There's one coach at, at Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins. He doesn't mind that people tell us. This. He literally took hula hoops, six-foot hula hoops, and spray-painted them on the sideline. So you have to, if you are not on the field, you have to stand in your hula hoop. So they have done a really good job of adjusting practice to make sure that they limit contact tracing as much as humanly possible. But on a road trip, when you're on a plane and there's other aspects of it, it can become a little bit more problematic. So uh, obviously you ramp up the test, you do the best you can to try to make sure you have as rapid a test result as humanly possible. But uh, yeah, contact tracing, Jay Will, is, is the biggest concern. And, and I think all of us that have been covering the sport, we felt good about being able to play. We feel good still about being able to finish the season. At least at this point, there's flexibility built into the schedule. But the contact tracing is something that, that is completely outside of our control and, and I think something that keeps athletic directors and school presidents up at night when they're trying to kind of get settled when it comes to outbreaks that you might have within a team. Greg, yesterday you said that uh, Dalble Sweeney to Houston, Texas is the dumbest thing in the world. Why is it that Dumbo's a Dumbo? <laughs> That's a good movie. We do work for Disney. We do work for Disney. Dalbo, sweetie, is a bad idea to the NFL. Why is that, in your opinion? First of all, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Second of all, (laughs) hey, Keith, I get it, man. Hey, I'm I'm running on fumes right now too. I was watching that light show that our Dodgers put on last night. Eleven runs in the first inning. Like I'm, I'm, I was up late watching that too. You just had to watch uh, the first inning, Greg. That's all you had to watch. Did you hear what Greg said? His Dodgers. You hear that? (laughs) All right, Greg. Well, Keyshawn knows, uh, Jay Will, that if if you put some of our bullpen out there, like I feel good about our bullpen, but eleven runs is not an insurmountable lead. Uh, with some of the people that we have in our pen right now, knowing the guys are hurt, so like I'm and re- and not well rested, so like I'm watching every inning because I don't know how long this train's going to keep running. But uh, when I look at the Dabo situation, here's my thing: there is a real reluctance, and I know John Gruden just got it, but there is a real reluctance to NFL owners paying coaches ten million or more. Dabo Sweeney right now at Clemson is making nine point three per year over the next ten years, and that is likely to increase on an annual basis because of how college coaches use leverage. Every single year they use leverage. And that's, I think, something that's remarkable. And Dabo, frankly, has a lifetime contract at Clemson. Here's the other thing. Dabo Sweeney's never been a coordinator. Dabo Sweeney is a culture creator. Like, he creates a culture around his program and has done so beautifully at Clemson. A lot of people have also suggested that Dabo's going to take Alabama at some point because that's where he went to school. Why? Davo Sweeney hasn't made in the shade right now, man. 
He has built a brand-new facility. He can recruit anyone he wants in college football. He's become a destination for quarterbacks, given the fact that Deshaun Watson was there and now Trevor Lawrence, who both of which are first picks, first-round picks. Trevor Lawrence would be the first overall pick, more than likely, barring something completely unforeseen. So I don't see why someone in Dabo's shoes, where you're contending for a national championship every year, and you're not, and you have a major advantage over everyone you step on the field against, not named Alabama or Ohio State, based on personnel. Why he would go chase a job where you could potentially be out of work within three years, barring injury and/or some problem that you might have with your personnel. So I think leaving a college job like where Davo Sweeney's at for a job that is very, on a little bit of shaky ground doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If I were to go to college, I'd go and get a football mind, not a culture creator. I'd go get a guy that's calling plays like a Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. If I were to go in that direction, which I wouldn't, I think Eric Bieniemy's grand slam home run, non like no doubt choice for Houston, if they can get him, because they're going to have some, they're going to have some other guys that are other teams that are going after Eric Bieniemy. That's who I would target. But, if I were to go to college, I want a guy that's calling plays, and I want a guy that has a, an offense, offense that was geared towards innovation and creativity, and that guy would be Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And if there's one thing we know right now, Oklahoma's not playing their best football. So I think it might be more realistic today than it was last year, given how much she's dominated the Big 12 in, in the last few seasons. All great points, Eric Bieniemy. For those that may not recall, he's the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. And you're right, Lincoln Riley didn't build Oklahoma. Bob Stoops did, but Dabo did build Clemson. And it's tough to walk away from all those shiny new facilities that you put there, courtesy of your W's. You can hear more from Greg on his own radio show, Sirius XM Channel 84, this morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. Greg, always great to catch up. Thanks, man. Greg, we got Kershaw on the mound tonight, though. Anyway, I just, I'm praying for Kershaw's back today, man. I need those back spasms to be clean. I want him throwing heat like he did to me in high school at Highland Park against South. Like, he struck me out on two pitches. Wait, Greg, what position did you play? What position did you play? I was a pinch hitter and uh, also played a little third base when uh, when the guy was tired. Uh, yeah, nice career move, though. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Greg. I couldn't, right, hit, I couldn't hit that 12-6 curveball. Y'all be good. <laughs> when that All drops right, off the table, one quick note on that. You know who Clayton Kershaw's uh, high school baseball teammate was? Who? Oh, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford. Wow. He made the right decision too, right? Yes, he did. (laughs) All of them made the right decision. So we're going to get Key's thoughts here on Greg McElroy saying it would be absolutely insane for Dabo to leave Clemson in just a bit. But we want to get you in on the conversation like we want to do every morning. We're asking the Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on Twitter, Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, which quarterback that Dabo Sweeney, if, if he would jump to the NFL, which should he be better aligned with? Trevor Lawrence, who, yes, right now is not in the NFL, but obviously with Dabo at Clemson, or Deshaun Watson, who, of course, Sweeney once called the Michael Jordan. You pass on Michael Jordan, this is what happens. He essentially said, Watson is that guy. I think he's been proven correct. 56% of you have gone with Trevor Lawrence. 56% have gone with Trevor Lawrence. So hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed and we'll monitor it all morning long. All right, Key. So Greg says Dabo would be crazy to jump to either Alabama, where the pressure would be insane, or the NFL, in which he could get run out of town almost immediately. Do you agree? Well, if, if he's if he's going from college to the pros, his deal's going to be such that if they run him out of town, it doesn't matter anyway. 
Um, there, I'm sure there's going to be some offset language in there where he'll be able to double dip if they were to fire him, meaning that that contract with the NFL is going to be fully guaranteed. And if you terminate me on this, at this time, I'm going to be able to go back to college, collect all of my money, and still go get a college job. He wouldn't leave Clemson if that wasn't the case. You don't do that. I mean, everything's there for him. At Clemson, beautiful facility. He owns the town. When you get into those situations, you don't. There's only a handful of programs in America that you don't jump from, and that right now that would be one because of where he has it at. Obviously, ten years ago that wouldn't be the case. Fifteen years ago, that's not the case. But where he has it at today, you know, he's ten million dollars a year in college football. He's flirting with the NFL. At the end of the season, they'll be giving him another extension and bumping those numbers up. In terms of a mind for an NFL coach, I just I, I am always reserved and skeptical of a coach coming from college to the pros who has never done it before, been around it. NFL is a different deal, man. Imagine trying to tell uh, – Keyshawn Johnson. Not even me, because I was respectful as all outdoors, but a 28-year-old with a full beard, full, like he got full beard, big diamond earrings in his ear. Kids, with, family. With baby seats in the back of his car, trying to tell him what the hell to do, and he's making a hundred and some million dollars. Grown man. Grown ass man. Opposed to a 19-year-old kid, this is how you got to do it. Go to class. It's a different animal. I control on, your scholarship. Uh, on control. Yeah, you can. That threatening NFL guy, that threatening NFL professional athletes, that doesn't work. Scaring the life out of college kids <laughs> is a different situation. Let's move on from there. When you take a head coaching job, whether it's at the collegiate level or at the pro level, you have to know people, meaning assistant coaches. It's not easy to get a staff put together. So taking an entire college staff to the pros, no. You want to be able to grab a guy that you have familiarity with that's in the pros that you know that worked on your staff possibly in college or worked with your uncle or worked with your brother. That's how they put these staffs together. It's not as simple as taking your staff from college and giving them a bump and having them come to the pros. It doesn't work like that. A couple of things, though, Keith. If you're a Dabo Sweeney, don't you think you would have the resources to make sure that you can ask the right people for who they recommend to build yeah, out your staff a, a, properly, a, a, number absolute, one? Absolutely, okay. you, absolutely you will. But it's, 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 if you know me, you go, okay. I understand what you're saying. Proximity as far as being in that realm yeah, all the time. If you're in that area, in that circle, them dudes is in the NFL, they all recycled. Yep. This coach goes over here. He's coaching at the Jets now. What's he coach? He coached receivers. Oh, Eric Bieniemy just got the job at Houston. Oh, well, where's he coaching? Well, he's at the Jets. Let's talk to him during the combine. We're going to hire him. Let's see him at the senior bowl. We're going to hire him. Where Dalbo is only seeing these coaches when they come to his campus. Maybe a golf tournament, but they're not in. He's not in that circle. In that wheelhouse 24-7. It, and so it's like you take a job to go coach a basketball program somewhere you're gonna, you're going to hire. You're gonna go get Carlos Boozer, or you're gonna talk to him because you know him. He's a friend. Da 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 da. You're not just gonna go get 
Zubin because somebody said Zubin's a good basketball coach. All I'm going to say is that, you know, we need to stop referring to this as college football. This is semi-pro sports, okay, who's making pro sports salaries. $9.3 million, $9.3 million for 10 but years. But the players are getting paid. I know, I understand, but the coaches are getting paid. That's all I'm oh, saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying, like, to that high level of money. Hijack. And what I will say is, you know, in order to be – I don't think Dabo Sweeney's going anywhere. The only uh, situation I would have similar is when Coach K thought about going to become the coach of the Lakers. Right. I think it takes – uh, like an incredible opportunity of a franchise that is so first class for Dabo to leave Clemson because he's already established a first class system. Where is that? That was straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Let's also put in the caveat we'll have to wait and see how many NFL teams have real interest. Still to come, if Alabama, Georgia doesn't go off this weekend, we'll see something college football hasn't seen in decades. Wait till you hear this. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.